0: Hi, and welcome to Theology for Millennials podcast. My name is Eric Marvin, and I just happen to be a millennial, and I'm excited about discussing with you all the different theological topics and doctrines uh, over the course of this podcast, so stay tuned. Well, I am very excited to be here today doing this podcast, Um like I said, uh, in my last podcast, this is actually part two. So if you are just now tuning in and you haven't heard uh, the previous podcast, uh, basically, just a quick rundown of what that was, I did a, um, a podcast where it's the, you know we're, we're answering the question, what is God like? So I did a part one. And in that part, I talk about the incommunicable attributes of God. Uh, these are the attributes um, that we can see in a couple of different ways. We can see, in, obviously, in Scripture and in the Bible, we can see attributes of God. Uh, we can also see, uh, kind of, in His nature, or even in uh, there's evidence of these things within nature itself, and then within uh, humanity, we can see attributes of this as well. And but it, but incommunicable attributes, um, at their essence, uh, are things that we really we we cannot. Take these on we kind of can in ways you know there's uh sometimes there's a nuance to all these things things like a lot of times an incommunicable attribute is god's holiness we think of god as holy that is something we cannot do in fact the very word holy is the word that means separate or different from or unique well we can't be that way in respect to god but we can be holy so and in a way it is communicable but it's also incommunicable so um, but we we really talk about mainly these ad we talked about these attributes that we as the human race really cannot um, we, we cannot take these on omniscience things uh, God is all knowing uh, uh, omnipotence God is all powerful omnipresence God is everywhere His fullness of His being is everywhere at once These are things we will never and can never uh, uh, take on in ourselves Today, however, we're going to be talking about what is God like Part two. And what I want to talk about briefly is uh, because there's actually a lot more of these <laughs> than the incommunicable ones. There's a lot more communicable or attributes that we can actually take on ourselves uh, when it comes to God than, than we think of. Um, and so we're going to touch on a few. And so essentially today, I'm not going to be able to go into great detail about each attribute. Uh, maybe that's for future podcasts um, later on. Uh, but it's, this is going to be basically an overview of some uh, communicable attributes or attributes about God that we see in Scripture, in ourselves, in kind of in the world. We see evidence of these things. These are things that God has revealed to us, and we ourselves can participate uh, in the human experience uh, with with these attributes in the same way that God does. Of course, we're not perfect in in these attributes, but. Uh, we can uh, begin to uh, do these things as well. But before I get into all that, I have just got to share this. I uh, recently, um, I like to listen to quite a few podcasts. Uh, there's uh, Some of my favorites are, um, recently I've kind of been listening to a lot of uh, political opinion podcasts. Uh, so ben, ben Shapiro is probably my favorite. Uh, Andrew Claven is another one that I listen to often. Uh, Dan Bongino. I also really find uh, the Joe Rogan podcast very interesting. Uh, Andy Stanley's leadership podcast. I listen to that one. Uh, and there's there's a few others. Uh, I've been trying to uh, I've been wanting to excuse me, I haven't really done it yet, but I have been wanting to listen listen to a podcast by the Bible Project guys. If you're not familiar with the Bible project, you need to look it up on YouTube. Uh, as soon as you possibly can because it is phenomenal these guys do unbelievable uh, cr- they create unbelievable content uh, about the Bible they have uh, good theology they they really do evidence-based um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for exegesis uh, where they pull out truth out of scripture based on what they on on how they read it and how it's supposed to be read, uh, to the, like as if it was written to the original audience. So Bible project guys are great, but I really quick just want to touch base on something I was listening to on the Joe Rogan podcast. I know it sounds kind of crazy, But if you don't listen to his podcast, you really should. He, of course, Joe Rogan is the guy that did, you know, Fear Factor. He is a commentator for UFC. He does a lot. He's a stand-up comedian. He does a lot of things. But on his podcast, he interviews and has a – it's really not an interview. It's more of just he he has a discussion with really interesting people. And there's really no agenda. It's just kind of, hey, come sit with me. We're going to chat for an hour to two hours I feel like. Well, he brought on, this is actually a podcast from like a year ago. He asked uh, a physicist by the name of Brian Cox to come on, and he wanted to talk with him. And the, the discussion they have is truly, it's it's unbelievable. It, they really talk about some stuff that uh, I just, I found it to be very interesting. Uh, you know, as a physicist, Brian Cox, he's actually kind of a famous guy. He's He's been on, um, kind of in the spotlight for for a number of years I think and he's written quite a few books he's very very intelligent but what he's kind of famous for is he talks about physics and he talks about the universe and he talks about um, astronomy and things like that and he talks about it in such a way that uh, kind of an everyday Joe you know can, can hear him and understand it uh, and the reason I can tell you that is because that's kind of me right like I don't understand any of this stuff but when I was listening to him he said it and explained it in such a way that I could understand it well, as they're talking, they, they begin to talk about the universe. And uh, he's a physicist, by the way. He's at the University of Manchester in England. So he has this really awesome English accent. And Anytime someone talks in an English accent, they automatically are going to sound smarter. But he, he talks about some of these, um, the universe. And here's a few things that he said, and I found this super interesting. And it, it's going to relate to what I want to talk about today. But he said, we don't know where the laws of nature came from. He said, I mean, this is a physicist, a scientist, a leader in his field. And it was. It struck me that he admitted to the fact that he, he and we, the human race, science cannot explain where, law, where the laws of nature came from. He also said, we don't know why the universe began or even if it began. I thought that was really interesting. We don't know why it began and we actually don't even know if it began. Uh, the other thing, as he said, is if it began, if the universe had a start, it started with an incredible amount of order, of order. I, that that really struck me because I've always been, and, and again, here's a little bit of my background. I have grown up in, uh, in a family where my dad was a youth pastor. My grandpa was a pastor. I grew up in Christian, you know, private Christian school. I have always gone to private Christian school, uh, studied Bible and all that. And I was always taught and told that um, anyone who is atheist or agnostic or believes in evolution believes that the world started out of chaos. I was always taught that. it was It's all chaos. And we serve a God, you know, the the, the counterpoint to that was, well, that we are a God of order and we can see order in the universe, therefore, you know, God ordered it. In fact, that's even an argument I made for even uh, is, does God even exist? That that's one of the philosophical arguments is that because there's order in this world, there must be someone who has ordered it. And so for him, he he is uh, doesn't seem to be at least from this conversation doesn't seem to be a very religious person. But he says, and and he says it in such a way that it makes sense is that the universe started with an incredible amount of order. Now, he said something though that I disagree with. And this is what he said that I disagree with. Is he talked about how science, what science is, really is, science is the measurement of what we can observe. It's it's measuring observable facts, and that's all it's supposed to be. Science is not something that we really should be arguing about because it it's not an opinion. It's the way he talked about it is we know the distance between Los Angeles and New York City, okay? No one's going to argue the distance between Los Angeles and New York City because it's not there's no argument to be made. It's it's a verifiable, observable, measurable fact, and that's what science is. And he says he, he he talks about how there should be a place for theology, but then he makes the argument that theology must operate within that framework. That it's only, uh, it should be happening within the framework of uh, observable, measurable facts. And that's where I began to disagree. And here's why I disagree because the problem with that is the very nature of theology, the very essence of theology is thinking about uh, the divine, thinking about God, and then putting those thoughts into words. And if you're, and, and if you're, uh, you know, if you spend any time in religion at all, you know that when you begin to think about God and the divine, you are you are interacting with the supernatural. So we can observe and measure the natural world, but like I said last week, we are not able to observe God in the way that we typically observe everything else in this world. God is a of higher intelligence. He is a higher being. He is outside of our scope. He is outside of uh, what we perceive as time and space. The, the limitations by which we live, he is not limited by. And so the the thing that I disagree with uh, with with Brian Cox on is that theology is actually the opposite of what he's describing. It is it is discussing and learning about that which cannot be measured, the infinite, and that which cannot be observed the the invisible and theology that's why i think theology there is so much that's debatable and that's up for argument and that's so much based in opinion because you can't observe this you can't measure it you you can't definitively say god is or isn't uh, you can about one a couple of things but that's just because he's revealed those it's not because we figured that out it's not because we were smart enough to, you know, put the pieces together and figure out the right algorithm to observe this. It's because God allowed us to understand those things about him, but we cannot definitively say that God is or isn't when we when he has not revealed certain things to us. So I found this incredibly interesting. And he said he said that we must be humble actually in science. That we are not able to answer all the questions of origin. He said we must be humble in science. Now here's my point is if Brian Cox, a leader in his field, a physicist of the University of Manchester who has an immense respect for science and an incredibly intelligent person, says we must be humble in science, how much more humble should we be in theology? If we truly are talking about that which cannot be observed or measured, uh, that, that that's not uh, something that can be replicated in a laboratory that can be verified through Uh, Science. If we are actually uh, discussing and participating with the the divine and the supernatural, then we must be even more humble, not to jump to conclusions, not to think we have all the answers. And that leads me into what I want to talk about today, which is the communicable attributes of God. I have been around Christians long enough to know, and I have been living in America my entire life, and, and I am entrenched in Western, uh, society and culture and philosophy. And so I know how, I know how Americans and how Christians, uh, and I, I love myself in this group too, because I'm part of this. I know how we think we tend to think that we have all the answers. We tend to think that we are the smartest person in the room that we, uh, even if we actually have done no research at all. That we can explain, uh, and we can make sense of, and we can um, kind of fake our way to be, you know, to be right in a sense. And we have got to, we have got to just kill that part of ourselves, <laughs> especially when when we're discussing theology and the attributes of God. We have got to humble ourselves to the point where we have got to say we know nothing. And what we do know is only known because God has chosen to reveal it. And what God has chosen to reveal is just a mere, just a, a tiny little portion of who he truly is. It is so small compared to his vastness. There is so much more to him than what we know. What we know is a speck. It's it's just a a, a blip on the radar compared to... The vastness of, of of our Savior, of of God, of the divine, of the Holy Trinity, we know nothing, and and we cannot figure this out. And so, with that, I was just, I was blown away by that conversation. And it took a, uh, I, again, I I don't, I'm not going to try to attribute a belief system to Brian because I don't actually know what he is, but I'm going to say, a, a, from what I can gather, a non-religious physicist. On the Joe Rogan podcast, to God used that as a, as a way to speak to me to say, Eric, if he's humble about science and about things we can observe and verify and measure, then you must be even more humble in your um, exploration of who I am. And, and you're trying to understand my character. You need to be even more humble than Brian. And I was blown away by that. So uh, it's highly, highly unlikely, but Brian, if you were ever to listen to this podcast, thank you. Uh, seriously, you, it spoke to me and it has helped me on my journey, and I appreciate that. And for anyone out there uh, interested in this stuff, interested in in talking about this, go watch his podcast, The Joe Rogan Show, and then Brian Cox is uh, the physicist's name. Okay, so uh, he, I just had to start with that because it it really hit me hard. It was something really powerful. Uh, that happened to me over the last few weeks, and I've I've listened to it in chunks uh, because it's there was a lot there, uh, but as I've processed it, it, it just really uh, helped me kind of focus in on what I wanted to talk today. So today we're talking about the communicable attributes of God. These are things that uh, we God has revealed these things to us. God has decided to allow us to understand these things, and the cool thing about all these these attributes are these are things that we ourselves can actually we 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 in a way um, own these attributes as well in ourselves. Uh, it's it's a really cool um, way that when we participate in these attributes, like when we tap into these attributes, we in essence are tapping into the same kind of attributes that God also uses as well. And I think that's really cool. Now, again, remember that uh, when we're speaking about God, God is when I when I begin to list some of these attributes. He is, he is perfected in them, okay. So we are, not, we obviously are not. Like for instance, one of one of the attributes I want to discuss is wisdom. Wisdom is an attribute. Uh, God uh, is is perfectly wise. However, we are not. Now we can, um, we we can at times be wise. We can at times. Um, have wisdom, and and we can make the right choice at the right time. Uh, but we have obviously not perfected it. We uh, we will uh, we will inevitably make the wrong choice at the wrong time, and we will inevitably be unwise. Uh, but God, in all of these, is perfected. So. I kind of want to break this down real quick, and when I say I, I don't really mean I. I'm actually looking at, um, and I've used this book a lot, so again, get used to it. This I love this book, Dr. Wayne Grudem's *Systematic Theology* and *Introduction to Biblical Doctrine*. Uh, it is like the, it, it's a great first book if you're interested in this. I would seriously would get Dr. Grudem's book, but he uh, lists out basically a, um, an outline, if you will. A way to kind of uh, categorize these attributes. And so he has kind of five main uh, categories and then subsections under each of each for each attribute. So I'm going to share with you the five main categories. Category one attributes describing God's being, all right? Anyone remember old uh, you know your English class, there are being verbs. You are in a state of being. It's not a, it's different from an action verb. An action verb is something that you actually have to choose to do. you you act on it. A being is just a state of I am in this I'm in this state. I'm not trying to be, I just am. And so first category, attributes describing God's being. Second, attributes describing the, the, the mental attributes of God. Um, his the his mind essentially. Third one, his moral attributes. So attributes dealing with morality. Uh, number four, attributes of purpose. Okay, attributes of purpose, and number five, last. And these are just kind of called summary attributes uh, or kind of all encompassing attributes. They don't really essentially they don't really fit under the first four, and so these are ones that that kind of they kind of surround everything. Uh, and you'll kind of see what those are here in a minute, okay? So first, attributes describing God's being. Uh, this is um, th- this is an interesting one because he has two subcategories under this. The first one is spirituality, and the second one is invisibility, okay? Spirituality and invisibility. I want to read uh, what Dr. Grudem says about these. Um, so his spirituality is dealing with the attribute of he exists in spirit so there's uh, actually a very clear verse uh, it's blanking to me off the top of my head I believe it is John chapter 4 John yeah John chapter 4 verse 21 I believe this is when God is or excuse, when Jesus is um, or excuse me John chapter 4 verse 24 uh, when Jesus is talking with the woman at the well uh, he says that God is spirit. And so this is talking about his being, about his state of his existence. Uh, he's he is not existing uh, in in a physical body. Okay, he is not being limited by uh, a physical body like we are limited. Uh, this kind of um, taps into his um uh, his omnipresence, the fact that he is uh, everywhere at all times. The fullness of his being is everywhere at all times, uh, but it, he's not parted out. It's not like his being is spread out across the universe. It's the fullness of his being is everywhere, but he exists in in spirit. Uh, the second one is invisibility. And let me just flip over to the right page here so that we can see this. This is, what Grudem, uh, this is how Grudem explains this. God's invisibility means that God's total essence, all of his spiritual being, will never be able to be seen by us, yet God still shows himself to us through visible, created things so he is invisible meaning his his state of being is that the fullness of who god is we will never fully understand it uh, we we will never comprehend the infinite we will never comprehend his his glory his holiness the 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 perfection of all these things we will not we we won't be able to fully wrap our minds around that because and here's why if we could then then we would be on his level, right? If our if we were mentally uh, capable of understanding and comprehending the 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 immensity, the the vastness of this of who he is, uh, of his state of being, we would in essence be God. Well, we will never be. So in this, in the way his state of being as being invisible doesn't necessarily mean. I mean, part of it is is that he is invisible to us unless he chooses to reveal himself to us. But it's also is it's invisible and in that we will never fully comprehend his, the totality of who he is. And so these are his uh, these are um, the attributes of God's state of being. Now, you might be thinking, Eric, uh, both of those, I don't see how we can do those. I don't see how they uh, I don't see how we have that. Well, here's something you need to think about. Spirituality. Um, I believe in pretty much all of most, pretty much all of Christianity and most other religions believe this as well, is that humanity is made up of more than just the temporal. We are more than just a cluster of cells floating through space and time. There's something called, uh, there's there's different ways to break it down, but Basically, there's a dichotomy here, okay? Uh, human beings are thought of to be physical and spiritual in nature, that there is a body and a spirit. There is the, the body is temporal, it's material, it's made up of matter and cells, blood and flesh, and the spirit is the part of the, of the human nature that it, it, it is not material, it is, it is beyond this world. Um, sometimes it's thought of as soul. Sometimes it's thought of as the mind or the heart. But it's that thing about being a human that doesn't really, it, it's, it's not just a physical thing. You know, we, we tend to pretty much, I mean, I don't know the statistics. I don't have them in front of me. But I would be interested to see, you know, the percentage of people that believe in the human soul in fact, uh, I, I haven't seen it yet, obviously, because it's not out yet. But, I mean, literally, there's a Pixar movie coming out in the near future that's about the human soul, that that piece of us that is immaterial, that is uh, eternal, that will never go away. Uh, I think that's interesting. So in that way, we we have that attribute in the same way God does. Invisibility, okay, uh, is, is a state of being in the same way that, that God is invisible, uh, our soul, the eternal nature of humanity, we don't, we can't fully understand that. That, again, if if Christianity is correct, if God f- it actually created us, breathed into us the breath of life, and we have an eternal soul, we can't comprehend what the the the, the vastness of that. We, I, I can't comprehend eternity, and so in that way, there is a. There is a part of me. There is an attribute of me that is invisible to even myself, in the sense of I can't fully comprehend the eternal soul. So, in those ways, again, we can we have this these kind of attributes that God has. Uh, the next ones are uh, his mental attributes. So these are what Grudem has as subcategories: knowledge uh, for God, omniscience that He's all knowing but knowledge, wisdom and truthfulness. Okay? Think about that. We we can attain knowledge, we can obtain it, we can we can learn and adapt. There's an attribute there and remember in God it is perfected. There is no more knowledge for him to gain. He has it all, but for us we can continue to grow and adapt and learn and innovate and be creative. But we can, we can gain knowledge. Wisdom is the one that I mentioned earlier. I want to read something real quick. This is kind of an interesting quote uh, by A.W. Tozer. A.W. Tozer writes this about God's wisdom. He says, Wisdom, among other things, is the ability to devise perfect ends and to achieve those ends by the most perfect means. It sees the end from the beginning, so there can be no need to guess or conjecture. Wisdom sees everything in focus, each in proper relation to all and is thus able to work toward predestined goals with flawless precision. He's speaking, he's speaking about the wisdom of God. Okay, now obviously we can't do that. Uh, we cannot see the future in perfect focus in order to, you know, working toward predestined goals with flawless precision. Obviously we cannot do that. But let me ask you this. Have you ever been in a situation where, A decision needs to be made, maybe in your job or with your family or with friends, but you know a decision needs to be made, and it's almost as if the future in your mind is just crystal clear of what's going to happen. And because of that clarity, you can sit there and you can make the decision that needs to be made in order for that outcome to happen. Have you ever felt that or experienced that? I know I have not all the time i mean i wish that happened all the time i if that happened all the time i'd be a very successful person but i I'm, I'm not <laughs> but it, we have that at times there's glimpses of that in human nature in the human human experience where we could be sitting there and maybe because of our life experience or maybe because of our education or maybe because of in the maybe because of the way the way god has gifted us we can be sitting there and, and with crystal clear clarity, we can see what is to come and we can make the right decision at the right moment in time to see the right outcome come to fruition. That's really cool. So in that way, we can participate, okay? Obviously, we can be truthful. Of course, humanity is not always. Moral attributes, I'm just going to fly through these because there's a ton of them and I'm already at 30 minutes and I, I could we could just dive so deep into all of these. But moral attributes... God's goodness, he is good, His, uh, he's loving, merciful, he's holy, he's peaceful, righteous, jealous, and he has wrath, okay? These are moral attributes. Now, here's the thing. I just want to touch on this for a second. With God's moral attributes, we those last two, you know, or even the, the, the third to last one, righteousness, or another word that you could use for righteousness is justice, okay? But definitely those last two, jealousy and wrath, we don't tend to think of those as good things, okay? I I, I know that. I I know that we kind of live in this era right now in in Christendom. We kind of live as Christians culturally. We kind of live in this time where if we could, we would redact many parts of the Bible so that we didn't have to read them. We would redact a lot of the Old Testament where God is jealous and he does not allow anything else to take his place on the throne of the hearts of his people and we we tend to we want to almost blot out the moments where God is full of wrath and punishes those who whom he loves. but again remember he does this in lieu of all the others okay it, it's not like he taps into one and it's fully that without the others. God's love, And his wrath work perfectly in harmony together. When when he is wrathful, he is also loving. And when he is loving, he is also jealous and full of wrath. They never go away. They are working in perfect unison together. And so we have to remember these things. You can't you you really you can't take these out of again, these are not. These are not things that you can just explain away because as I said before, we didn't discover these things. God revealed them to us. So when we remember that, He is, and think about this, maybe this is a good question to ask. Why would God choose to reveal the attribute of wrath to us? Think about it. Why would he choose to reveal the attribute of wrath? Think about the good that comes from that actually. There's a lot of good. I can tell you this, as a parent, I have chosen to reveal my wrath to my two uh, children. I I have chosen to do that. And the reason I've chosen to do that is for their good. Now, in their little two-year-old and four-month-old brains, my wrath probably seems awful and terrible and immoral at, at times even, because it doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't compute in their heads as to why I'm telling them no or why I'm punishing them. They don't know. But when they grow and when they learn more, they will get to a point where they will begin to understand that my wrath was actually uh, happening because of my love. And in the same way, God does that on on an infinitely higher level than we could ever imagine. So those are his moral attributes. We also have his attributes of purpose. These are his, his will, freedom, omnipotence or power, his sovereignty. And then we have summary attributes, perfection, blessedness, beauty, and glory. And I wish I could just sit there and I, I wish I could just dive into all of these. I really wish I could. But the problem is, is I'm already at 32, almost 33 minutes. And uh, I won't be able to keep you guys <laughs> for that long. And so I understand that. But we'll have to t- maybe dive into these another time um, later on in the future. But here's what to be what I want to leave you with um, after this podcast is is now done. This is what I'd like to leave you with is my challenge to you is is to go and pick a couple of these attributes and begin to go look for them. Begin to look begin to look for where God has chosen to reveal these attributes, whether it be in scripture or whether it be in in the evidence in nature or the evidence in the universe or the evidence in humanity. Wherever you need to look, look for these attributes of God. And and maybe say a quick prayer that you would just ask God to to help you be aware, to help you be uh, vigilant, and to see with clarity these attributes when they are put on display. I know they're hard to understand, and, and here's why. They're difficult to understand because of, because of God's scope, size, and perfection. We, we won't fully be able to understand each attribute as a perfected attribute. I get that. But we, as we sit here and in faith rely on God to reveal his nature and his attributes to us we will be able to have a closer and deeper relationship with him as we wait. And so my challenge to you tonight would be that, is to, in faith, to simply wait and pray and be on the lookout for the attributes of God. This is Theology for Millennials. Thank you for tuning in today. Have a great week.